Reporting from Cisco Security Intelligence Operations, this is the Cyber Risk Report. The Cyber Risk Report is a strategic intelligence product created by Cisco analysts that highlights current security issues in mid- to long-range perspectives. The report addresses seven major risk management categories, including vulnerability, physical, legal, trust, identity, human, and geopolitical. This report covers the time period of March 18th through March 24th, 2013. Vulnerability activity for the period returned to previous levels uh, following the high level of activity for the last period. Following up on the Microsoft Security Bulletins for March 2013, Cisco SIO is seeing only threat activity related to the Microsoft SharePoint Directory Traversal Information Disclosure Vulnerability. Cisco released a security advisory for a Cisco IOS and Cisco IOS XE Type 4 passwords issue. Cisco will release the next semi-annual Cisco IOS Software Security Advisory Bundled Publication on March 27, 2013. IBM reported multiple vulnerabilities in Infosphere Information Server, Rational ClearQuest, Tivoli, and WebSphere, and vulnerabilities were reported in Oracle MySQL and Automated Service Manager. Following some media reports on the risks of vulnerabilities in security products, vulnerabilities were reported in HP OpenView Network Node Manager, McAfee Vulnerability Manager, CA SiteMinder products, and Semantic Enterprise Vault. Apple released updates for an iPhone lock screen on authorized access issue, and reports identified a similar phone lock bypass vulnerability with Android phones. NICS SCADA activity. New vulnerabilities and updates were reported for Snyder Electric PLCS, Siemens Semantics WinCC, Schweitzer Engineering Laboratories Accelerator, and 3S CodeSys Gateway Server. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security and Internal Revenue Service continue to release warnings and information regarding various scams and fraud related to the U.S. tax filing season. Mandiant released Appendix F to the APT1 report uh, containing additional information on the technical details. Mandiant also reported their websites uh, are under an extended distributed denial-of-service attack. Activist groups continue to run operations against selected targets. Anonymous released data reportedly captured during pound-op Israel attacks against Israeli government targets, and the DDoS attacks on U.S. banks continue from the Al-Qasem group. IntelliShield published 113 events last week, 69 new events, and 44 updated events. These alerts are available via the IntelliShield Alert Manager service. Visit www.cisco.com slash go slash IntelliShield for more information. Moving on to the legal risk management category. Andrew Arnheimer, a.k.a. Weave, was sentenced to 41 months in prison for downloading the personal information of over 120,000 AT&T customers from the publicly available AT&T websites. Arnheimer was found guilty of conspiracy to access a computer without authorization under the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. In this case, Arnheimer, a self-described internet troll, uh, originally notified Gawker Media of the security hole before notifying AT&T about the availability of the obscured data. The description of Arnheimer's access to the AT&T data as unauthorized is questionable. He did not download or use anyone else's password. Uh, AT&T decided to use the guessable individual iPad IDs as an unauthorization token to the AT&T servers, and the data was downloaded on a wholesale basis as a result. The data included email addresses of high-profile government officials and industry leaders. 
What impact will this case have on the body of law related to acceptable use and unauthorized access? Will the case impact behavior of the community of vulnerability researchers who follow reasonable disclosure practices? Normal and responsible vulnerability disclosure by the security research community involves notifying the vendor or service provider first, uh, in this case AT&T, and after a reasonable amount of time, the vulnerability is disclosed by the vendor, the researcher, or both. Researchers often reverse engineer products and technically are violating the law. However, vendors are willing to work with the researchers in the context of reasonable disclosure. Researchers get press, uh, vendors sell secure products, and the public benefits. Arnheimer is not a researcher in this sense, but if the morass of unauthorized access is not made clear by the courts, the consequence may be less secure resources across the Internet's infrastructures. Researchers may be reluctant to disclose responsibly because of rulings and sentences similar to the Arnheimer case. Research gives birth to new products, and many businesses would not exist if every discovered vulnerability was a crime. Next, in the security standards risk management category. The security community had several welcome developments in the past week. Google announced that Google's public DNS service now supports domain name system security. DNSSEC is an effort to combat DNS cache poisoning attacks by using public key cryptography and digital signatures to authenticate DNS transactions. In addition to the Google announcement, Cisco's own Mike Schiffman announced the release of CVRF Parse, a tool for parsing common vulnerability reporting framework formatted security advisories. In the Common Vulnerability Scoring System, uh, CVSS, Special Interest Group released a, de a development update for CVSS version 3. The world of information security is fast-paced and filled with complexity. The ever-evolving threat and vulnerability landscape requires constant vigilance, new tools, and a continual re-examination of current standards. Developments such as Google's implementation of DNSSEC for a large public-facing service, uh, tools to work with existing standards such as CVRF's, uh, CVRF Parse, and the efforts to address gaps in existing standards such as the development of CVSS version 3, these are welcome additions to the community. Security practitioners are advised to review these developments and consider implementation where applicable. And next, in the Attacks and Compromises Risk Management category. Recent reports of widespread attacks on South Korean banks, uh, media, and the energy sector continue to be investigated. Multiple antivirus vendors are reporting research uh, on the malicious code identified in the attacks, and researchers and investigators are releasing reports on additional details of the attacks. The original evidence suggesting the attack originated from an IP address in China has been corrected, and investigators now believe the origin of was an IP address that was on an internal South Korean network. As this investigation continues, the details of the report may prove valuable to others uh, in identifying future attacks. Likely due to pressure on incident response teams to respond to these attacks from the media and the government, initial reports have contained largely incorrect information. As the investigation continues and corrections are made to the earlier reports, this may be the first lesson learned. The first rule of incident response is to remain calm, uh, calm those around you, and go to work in an orderly process. Regardless of the type or extent of the attacks, pressuring the incident response teams for answers or involving others who can uh, misinterpret early findings only leads to confusion and repeated resets for the teams. This incident to date also shows the importance of those communications teams that work with the incident response teams. 
Releasing information before it's validated makes the combined teams and officials appear unprofessional and potentially incompetent. The incident response teams are well aware of the communications requirements and must provide regular communication updates whether they have new information to report or not. All have seen organizations in various crisis situations that have done this well, and those that have not. The key to success in most cases is to have thoroughly planned, organized, and trained teams that follow their procedures and don't vary due to pressures from higher officials or the media. A second lesson that's still developing appears to be that the energy sector targets demonstrated a greater resiliency than other targets. Uh, More to come on that. And finally this week in the geopolitical risk management category. U.S. federal agents arrested a foreign scientist this month as he tried to leave the country, according to a variety of reports. He'd been working on a contract with the U.S. National Aeronautics and Space Administration, NASA, uh, through the nonprofit National Institute of Aerospace, NIA. Uh, according to the representative Frank Wolf of Virginia, uh, the scientists had been involved in developing image, imaging technology software and had generous access to sensitive NASA information. Separately this month, another contractor was arrested uh, for passing classified information to a foreign national with whom he was romantically involved. He would access to uh, military information through his work at Pacific Command uh, in Hawaii. He met the woman at a conference in 2011. He'd been charged with passing classified information to her and with violating the terms of his security clearance requirements by concealing his relationship with a foreign national. These two cases are a reminder that classic espionage tactics are alive and well, and anyone with access to sensitive, uh, proprietary, or classified information would do well to pay heed. Contractors frequently are not closely vetted as full-time employees. Even with the best intentions, uh, faced with tight deadlines and shortages of qualified personnel, managers may need to give foreign nationals privileged access. The vast majority, of course, don't violate their privileges, but everyone involved in classified or confidential work must grant privilege access carefully and and keep it under constant watch. The second case is a classic honeypot incident. Uh, We must all keep in mind that a romantic or suspiciously friendly approach uh, may have ulterior motives. Sensitive access is a privilege that we all have a personal duty to protect. This concludes the Cyber Risk Report for this week. To read the full report, visit www.cisco.com go SIO and select the Cyber Risk Reports link. Tune in for next week's report from Cisco Security Intelligence Operations. Thanks for listening and stay safe.